Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, there is a nice piece of stock music playing behind me that a talented composer worked really hard on. So let's enjoy it. Almost overshadows the saving big when you switch to progressive part. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. It was basically a cube with inside of sphere where the points of the cube uh, were touching outside of the sphere. This isn't anything that just is limited to the United States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. Hi everyone, and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. As always, my name is Andy. What a month it has been for the podcast. We've had four incredible guests. The last episode was part one of Lieutenant Tim McMillan's interview, which you are back now, obviously, for the second part. Again, I've been blown away by the feedback, the numbers of you listening, the people reaching out to get in touch. I want to get straight into the interview for you. Please stick around after the interview finishes. Um, There's some big announcements regarding future guests coming up and some exciting things that will be happening in the coming months on the show as well. So again, stick around after the interview. Let's go back to part two of my interview with Lieutenant Tim McMillan. That's it. And thanks, because that's a lot of information on, on the events and what's happened. And I want to kind of fast forward right up to almost modern day. Um, and in one of your articles uh, for Popular Mechanics, Tim, there's a quote that I thought was really interesting. Uh, I'll read it to you. It was Professor Matthew Hirsch from Harvard University. And he says, quote, human beings have believed in the existence of ET life for millennia. I suspect that any revelation UFOs exist would be met with something close to a shrug, end quote. Is that where we're at now? Because that's how I feel this whole thing is generally still being met, even with the mainstream exposure it's getting. And can I just say as well that that's from a United States point of view, like I said to my previous guests, mm-hmm. like Gary and Sean particularly, in the UK, this isn't really covered other than the odd article on a website of Sky News. There's not mm-hmm. a lot of interest in the topic outside of those who would already be interested. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And... and- Gosh, that was just such a snapshot of Dr. Hirsch's comments that I was able to use. He's a great guy because he, I mean, he he provided me, uh, you know, uh, he provided me comments that could have been his own article because it was fascinating because I was very interested in, in, in just what you said. This idea, like, if the military really is hiding this idea that they're, they know for certain it's something like what, you know, what, is there any validity in the idea that human beings just couldn't handle it? And so, you know, he said, I think it'd be met with a shrug. Um, and I think he's right there. And, and unfortunately, just due to the kind of limits that you have to when, you, when you're editing an article. And that particular article was shit, almost 9000 words, about about 7000 more than most editors want you to put in. But um, 
you know, he was just saying that in terms of the idea that that human beings have believed in in E.T. for a millennium in some way, shape or fashion, they have. And it's generally, though, under the lens in which the time gives it. And so, you know, not the ancient aliens route here where they're trying to say that ancient mythical deities were aliens now. But, you know, these deities were, in effect, higher intelligence alien. Um, And so that's where he's getting at there. Um, And, you know, I, I think that in terms of why you haven't seen, and I brought this up too in the 2017, this was something I was really, I'm like, why the hell isn't this like the biggest news in history here? But, you know, people are very narrowed into what's in front of them. Um, what's going on. I mean, you see this, especially with American news and the coronavirus and all this stuff. It's like, okay, aliens are here. Screw that. But what did President Trump do? And let's, you know. And so because to them, that gives an exercise of what they're in control over. And so this idea of unknown is very, very scary to people. And so I do disagree a, a little bit with what Dr. Hirsch is saying there. If the idea was that it came out, you know, whether it was the U.S. government or whomever, somebody came out and said, here it is, guys, ladies and gentlemen, there is 100 percent beyond a reasonable doubt inhuman something visiting Earth. We don't know who they are. We don't know where they're from. We don't know their motivation. We don't know their intent. By the way, they seem to be able to be way more powerful than you. I don't know that that would be met with a shrug. And that's because the unknown is not. You know, implicitly, our brains, it creates anxiety and stress. And, and that's why uh, that's why people interpret some of these events as either being alien or being junk is because at least then it's known to them. And so I think the real question there would be how much is known and how much is unknown when it comes out to it, because, you know, that same fish example. What you know, what if all those fish found out, hey, guys, you're not going to believe this. There's an entire other world above the water. These people have cities and cars and all sorts of shit. We don't even know how to, you know, a car. What's that? How do you drive that? Yeah. Um, you know, how would that they react to that? And and, and so I, I don't know. And I, so I think it's easier because the idea is the accepting it would be real brings up so many more unknowns and questions. And again, People have generationally been conditioned to believe it's bunk. It it goes back to that Condon report. And and when I said read it for yourself and see the conclusions, uh, the people I've said that to who have done it come back and go, holy cow, this didn't say what I thought it said. But if you look at the reporting at the time and everything, it was, uh, you know, very fragmentary based on small accounts of it. And so it set this social standard that it's that it's bunk. And, um, you know, that's what people have been not only lived through, but born and raised under. <laughs> you know, you have over 50 years of people who've been born, who their parents grew up under this idea. Oh, you know, you talk about UFOs, that's that's fringe society and you're a nutbag. And so um, it, it's to a degree, it's it's one of the most interesting things because you hear people. I mean, people write books about it, the UFO mythology. It's an American myth and religion and stuff. And, and you say, well, no, I mean, it's not dragons 
And it's not, uh, you know, there's actually more tangible evidence for something supporting UFOs than there is most religious belief. Not yeah. to infringe on anybody's religious beliefs, but that is still the mindset. You know, people, it's just kind of been treated that way. And, and so um, I don't know if it's a shrug as much as it is. People have kind of been conditioned for almost 50 years to believe that it's a myth and and bunk but the aliens or the ufos or whatever the hell it is they sure as hell nobody told them they seem to be completely disconcerned with, with social sentiment they've not gone away <laughs> yeah and i know you, you talked about your surprise there at the time as well of the why was that not bigger news something else you mentioned in one of your articles was when susan goff mentioned the air force office of special investigations which are widely considered to be the real men in black <laughs> Um, were involved and then you followed that up in an article uh, last month as well talk to us a little bit about that and, and you know if you want to say MIB because it's easier than AFOSI uh, what do you think that involvement kind of speaks volumes about in, in this whole scenario sure man man I'm glad you brought that up because it's not been something I've been able to really clear up uh, probably should have whether it's just in Twitter or a blog or something but yeah uh, you know obviously uh, Air Force Office of Special Investigations has this kind of illicit history of being the UFO, the real men in black and the UFO disform, disinformers. And this goes all the way back to the 80s and the Rick Doty days and all this kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, there it, it's people have written books about it. You know, it's it's them that come and tell people to shut up and don't talk. Uh, in this specific instance, and, and unfortunately, you know, I had asked Ms. Go numerous times in the Pentagon, well, why did they, uh, why did OSI get involved? Why did OSI get involved? And she didn't answer me. It was only after that article was published did uh, I finally uh, have an opportunity to talk to a policy analyst at uh, the Secretary of Defense's office. And they explained very mundanely <laughs> that, oh, by the way, um, the Air Force Office of Special Investigations and that particular headquarters detachment is the policy police for the Pentagon, meaning if there's policy violations, that's who investigates it. And so unfortunately, they're um, but you see this often. The truth isn't nearly as exciting. And so they were just the policy police that somebody said to investigate the leak of these videos or, or what they perceived as a leak of the videos. Now, um, there's a lot more to that aspect that is something I'm working on right now that will come up, you know, in the very near future. It's still kind of an ongoing investigation, but I can tell you there's a lot of evidence there that is extremely intriguing and in terms of why you do that, because that was the first thing I questioned is you had to have somebody with enough authority to order that investigation and that person with enough authority they had to know damn well those were unclassified videos. So why the hell did they order the investigation? And that truth is that, um, you know, it's it's very humanistic and that it's very new nuanced. And you know, I recently said in an interview, the reasons behind all of the confusing and contradictory statements coming out of the Pentagon, there's a whole bunch of factors at play. And in fact, what, what I'll be bringing out, and it's still, like I said, ongoing, is some of those are human factors that have nothing to do with UFOs. Some people, and I think everybody who's ever worked in a job where there's more than just themselves realize sometimes you work with assholes. 
And sometimes you work with people who are just vindictive. You work with bad bosses. Um, and so some of the some of this, I believe, stems from a lot of that. And there'll be some very intriguing things coming out about the, the inner workings of the Department of Defense that don't necessarily relate to UFOs, but help explain why have you seen some of the things that you've seen? Why have you heard some of the things that you've heard? And I've said this from day one and tell us, I know many times and publicly is having some background and understanding of the, the kind of clandestine intelligence world. You don't come out and talk like that's very, very taboo to do what Elizondo did. And it doesn't matter if he was talking about UFOs or he was talking about terrorists. The intelligence world does not encourage their people, past, former or present, to go public like that. And you're ostracized and oftentimes um, try to make an example out of it because they don't want their they do not want their people thinking that they can get fame or attention talking about anything that they've done while employed there because for obvious reasons <laughs> all of a sudden Russia is coming over hey we're a film crew we want to film you know they're they're setting you up to try to get secrets and so um, there's a lot of little things going on there and, and in fact that whole investigation into those videos with AF AFOSI had less to do with men in black and more to do with the human factors involved of people being like that son of a bitch <laughs> making front page news um, and trying to probably ultimately get uh, Lou Elizondo's security clearance pulled because that's the long as he keeps that security clearance. And I think that's why um, I've heard plenty of people get upset. I totally get it. And they're like, oh, he's always relying on his NDA like he pushes it to the limit. But I, I believe he has to be very cautious there because if he loses his security clearance, at the end of the day, as long as he keeps that, um, you know, TTSA or whatever can go belly up and go defunct and he can walk right in the door at a private contractor making money. And you know, the guy's got a family and he's got kids and a wife. He's got he got to got to have that. But if he loses his security clearance, basically. Uh, it's equivalent to me losing my law enforcement certification. Like my entire 20 years up to that point is just, <laughs> I can't do anything with it. It's and white so, Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so um, it's intriguing, but yeah, that, that whole, I, I think there's a, with all of this there's more myth that there is reality. And so the men in black deal, um, I don't think there's a real men in black that, um, <laughs> That are out there, and I don't think they're involved in these instances. I think it has to do more with uh, some senior executive people who just were like, hey, son of a bitch, because <laughs> for obvious reasons. They, now people, you know, like you said, you, you, people from Scotland, people from the UK, people from Germany are talking about the, the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence Office, and there are no like names, like the national programs, and, like they're like, you know, this is, these are people who don't. Don't have Facebooks and stay off the radar. And they're like, son of a bitch. Why are people, you know, they and like you know being what? quiet. There's the intrigue there. It might not be Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones mm. walking about with tiny little guns that blow holes in the side of buildings. But mm. what they do, and it's, there's, there's an element of truth, I think, in a lot of these things. Mm. And that's something even in shows like Ancient Aliens or any of the kind of fantastic experiences or famous cases, it, it doesn't take for 90% of it 
might not be quite correct, but there's 10% based in truth. And that's the interesting mm-hmm. part. And that's what we have to get to with, with a lot of this subject. Um, what's, where are we at then? What, what would, if you had a state of the union or state of play with this whole saga and, and what's coming next, where do you think we're at with the whole thing? And I appreciate you're saying you've got more material coming out soon. That'll be really interesting to read. Sure. Yeah. And, and gosh, that's a great question. And I don't know that I have a good answer. Um, and I say because I think a lot of people are hoping like disclosures on the horizon with the big D and all of this type of stuff. Um, I haven't necessarily seen that if people are associating that with meaning like, all right, guys, come on, we're, roll out the, the Roswell wreckage or let's show all the videos. Um, I haven't seen that on the horizon. Um and, it, and it's hard to know what information is or isn't going to come out of the Pentagon because you know, one of the things is it, with the recent statement that uh, the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Public Affairs Office, Susan Goh, mentioned, and she acknowledged, you know, yes, there is a current program and the Cognizant Authority is under the Secretary of Defense for Intelligence Office, blah, blah, blah. And so it's important there for people to realize uh, the Cognizant Authority being the intelligence so it's going to be run like an intelligence uh, deal. And so to, an, to what you just said, you're right. It is kind of like the, you know, these guys who are, are, are girls who are looking into these events currently are kind of like Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith without all the alien guns and stuff. But in intelligence, you know, the idea it's not a scientific endeavor where you're putting out information constantly and everything because, uh, you know, you want to protect the integrity of the information you're getting. And so you don't put it out because that keeps from bad info coming in. And so it's interesting because as long as it's ran like that, um, it's going to be a friendly battle (laughs) with uh, with people like myself or other journalists and them to try to get details out because um, up until recently, me and Susan Go had a good relationship, (laughs) but, 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 other than that, the people who are doing this stuff presently, I think I would like to say we have a great relationship because there's this weird <laughs> there's this weird system in place where both as the free press who's pushing to get information out and these people are like, hey, man, we got to control this for national security. We're both trying to support, in this case, the U.S. Constitution. And so the freedom of press plus the defense. And so it's this weird trying to find this middle road here where um, we can we can get information out where I think I think it would be great because I haven't seen it yet, but they say it exists. I think it'd be great to get some more conclusive data out that at least acknowledges, okay, ladies and gentlemen, these uh, aren't Chinese, these aren't Russian, and these aren't our secret black tech, but here's something. And then go from there is what it is, because you need that public support to continue the programs from Congress and everything. That's why I think you see Chris Mellon and everybody saying, push your congressional leadership, because that needs to happen. Um, And it's... It's equally interesting, like you said, that the 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 mindset outside of the U.S. I think South America, there's a lot of interest in the topic of UFOs, um, at least citizen wise. I know I, I talked to a lot of people out of the U.K. who have interest. It sounds like evidently the media doesn't um, here in Germany. It's like <laughs> not even <laughs> not new no, media people, nothing. But I mean, again, it's it's a. Uh, um, 
it goes down to culture and everything. It's very pragmatic culture here in general. We, we didn't run out of toilet paper during the pandemic crisis because people are just logical thinkers in Germany. Yeah, um, very famously very efficient. But I think that's been one thing that we've seen on the news, particularly in the UK with the whole COVID-19, that the Germans done what they were told very quickly and managed to come out of it. And that's why I'm a soccer fan and another life. Uh, and that's why we've got German football back on the TV here in the UK. So, <laughs> so yeah, life is getting back to normal there, I think, a lot more quickly than other places. But you say that that's embedded within the culture, I believe. Um, Tim, uh, we're running out of time a little bit, so I want to get to some of the listener questions and then fire through the, sure. the quick fire word stuff with you as well. So I had some great stuff sent in from everyone on Twitter. Thank you very much. Uh, and I've picked through some of the best. Um, so some of them, again, if you've got an answer, great. If it's an opinion, great. If there's nothing, then we can certainly move on. So first question from Engaging the Phenomena on Twitter. That's at Engaging the what was something Tim found through his investigations that he was not expecting? Oh, wow, that's a good, that's a, that's a good question. Um, uh, gosh, what was I not expecting? That's, that's a great question. It's a hard one to answer because now I'm trying to, 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 to separate like the professional investigative side versus the personal opinion side, because that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand. Uh, and I had this discussion with uh, Joe Mergia, UFO Joe, who has a great blog. If anybody's checked it out, yep. Joe's a great dude, you know, where he had mentioned that a recent comment by Elizondo saying that, that, you know, the three options, it was secret U.S. tech or foreign tech or something else were all disappointing to him. And he's like, I don't understand why you say that. But as an investigator, your approach, you really aren't surprised by a lot of things because you don't you, you try very, 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 very hard to not go into it with any preconceived notions you're not testing hypotheses that's the important thing because you don't come up with them you just follow the road um i think on a personal side i i would say that it was maybe it was really surprising though it shouldn't have been to realize that there were our people in very 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 senior leadership positions in government to say yeah this is real this is real no, you know, it's not just um, TV, movies, whatever. These things are really happening. Um, you know, advances in our own defense technology have allowed us to pick up on it more and even, you know, where it's undeniable now. But this is real. And I think it was really, you know, it's one of these things that uh, I've had this discussion as well. How do, how do you survive in that environment? Because I think everybody who's into UFOs, can survive to an extent because there's always that option well maybe it really isn't real or we haven't seen like all the data and so you always have that, that catch out of saying that's eh, maybe it's not real but what happens if you're confronted and you realize holy shit it's real um what do you what do you do i think we all say what we do but i don't know um and so it was really surprising even going into it very open-minded and having uh you know, seen something weird myself, but to hear other people who, again, for all intents and purposes, um, you know, I've said that either they are, these are people who are in positions of government with a lot of power and can, you know, wield power to, to bomb countries and cause war, and they're batshit crazy. And that's concerning. <laughs> you know, that's going on, or that this is really going on. And so I think that idea that 
that even though as the investigator, you can't just stop and say, well, they absolutely should know. So there we go. We're done. But um, the fact that those two options then fork out, either they're batshit crazy or it's real, is was was a pretty big shock. Maybe I, I thought that um, I don't know what I thought. Like I said, you try not to, to go into it. But um, I think, yeah, I think I think realizing that um, even talk, I'll say talking to some of the people that are famous throughout the, the UFO historical realm, like the Dr. Putoffs or Eric Davis's um, or Kit Green's. I was really surprised to talk to them because I, I think there's a perception of them, depending on whether you are a real a believer or skeptic. And I will say in my opinion and having talked to them that the reality of those perceptions, neither one was correct. And, and, you know, sometimes people, I think, do a disservice to them when you're saying, you know, Dr. Putoff is the greatest mind who's ever been in all of history. And it's like, well, that's not how science works. He wouldn't want that. And in fact, science, you know, especially in social science, where I come from, read a psychology journal somebody's going to give you an entire study of their conclusion. And then the next page is going to be why that's bullshit. And so somebody else. And so there's no such thing as like the greatest mind. Einstein was wrong about a lot of things. And so it was really surprising to realize, man, these are just people. And, um, you know, they're not scammers. They're not this or that. They don't have to be right about their beliefs, but, um, it, it, they're also not these messianic figures that have it all figured out. Maybe that would actually, if I had to say that the most one surprising thing of all was not just that all these people said it was real. It was a realization that none of these people said it's real. And it's this it's, it was like, Holy crap. They don't know. Like <laughs> there, there is unknown. And so I think that was probably the most surprising to me. That, that, awesome. Uh, yeah. Idea could be unknown. So, uh, yeah, it's a great question. Great answer. Thanks, Tim. Um, yeah. Thanks engaging the phenomena. Worth following on Twitter. Uh, next one was from Stephen. Um, recently, you appeared on Mick West's podcast. You mentioned you talked to David Fravor's co-pilot, who watched mm-hmm. the two witness the tic-tac as well. Um, did you get any further detail from her? And do you think she will ever come forward? Um, yeah, yeah, ironically enough, she, uh, well, she, she's still active duty right now and she did agree to, to come forward and be named for me. However, because she's active duty, um, public affairs has to approve that and public affairs denied me. So, um, you know, it is what it is, but, uh, that's interesting though. That's, that's interesting to know. Yeah, no. And she did. and, And, um, uh, so I think I, I will say that, that with her, I think the thing that that's most interesting is she probably is a little frustrated. There's so much attention onto her case simply because to her, this happened 15 years ago. And she's like, this is, it is what it is. Like it's up to somebody else to figure it out. But, um, you know, she says there's, there's more events, more recent events and continuous events that are going on that she talks to pilots who are saying this is happening. So she's like, why in the hell are we worried about what happened 15 years ago when, you know, this is going on right now? Um, and, and so I, I, do, I do truly hope that, uh, you know, maybe when she retires someday or something, she's able to come forward because uh, my big thing for wanting her to go on a record is because I, I really hope people 
get an understanding of who she is and what she's done in her career because we only hear about her as from 15 years ago is you know the rookie the new girl and and i would hope i I want people to get an idea of when you hear her say her experience 15 years later today what all she's been through in that interim of time frame and realize this this is somebody who's a damn good aviator and has been through some shit and she um outside of any of this sighting she deserves the respect and everything because she's done a lot of really good things in her career but again i you know she's i also respect and understand why she just can't right now and she's kind of cautious about it no that's amazing that definitely sounds like uh when when she does hopefully finally get to kind of step out of that shadowy interview figure uh, i believe we saw on the unidentified documentary as well that uh, it's, it's going to be a lot more weight and credibility to the argument so it's just something else to go alongside the evidence the videos the testimonies it's as you say a really really good point you touched on as well and we've heard a little bit about this that these events are still happening now and mm-hmm. the quotes recently are, are as of several weeks ago we don't know there's not one happening right now off some mm-hmm. battle carrier group out, out at sea somewhere 30 miles off the coast mm-hmm. but yeah so these things are still happening and maybe that's the next logical part of the the story for mm-hmm. everyone a couple more questions that was a really good one Stephen. thanks um at the signal who again really prominent on ufo twitter he mm-hmm. says firstly sincere thank you for your work tim have you heard the name of the program the u.s government currently runs on uap if so could you give any names or even a hint and will we find out any more details soon um i i, I don't know the name of it and i don't know whether it has a, a categorical name um you know, I think it's it's run out of what Susan Goh said was correct. You know, the Cognizant Authority is under USDI and the Navy's kind of taken the lead. Um, I don't know why that is. I think a lot of people bring up a lot of uh, theories as to well, why the hell the Navy, not the Air Force. Um, I think it may relate to this is my opinion. Nobody's told me this uh, conclusively, but I think it may relate to uh, certain technologies that are unknown even um, that the Navy employs and everything, because the Navy is actually one of um, the primary. It's the primary military in our primary branch of the U.S. military that operates in contested spaces frequently. So, you know, when they're sailing to these oceans, they're in contested spaces. And so some of their technologies allow them to have better recon and that type of stuff where um, the Air Force and everything, they are NORAD and uh, they know they've got a defensive perimeter around the U.S., but they know if something's flown in to the continental. So but I think the Navy maybe has some better stuff at figuring out what's all in the battle spaces. Um, and so the Navy, you know, the best I know is that the, the Navy is taking the lead in it, that they have uh, you know, under the cognizance of the USDI, they have sole authority of it across all branches. And, and so they are working with, uh, you know, like she said, other, other entities. And I think that's important because places like the CIA and all these, they're not in the Department of Defense. In fact, CIA is its own independent agency. And so but there is some kind of inner working group, which I think is good because that's the only way you can truly get it. You've got to have an inner working task force. But in terms of like a name, um, I don't know it. And I don't know that even has one. And I know that's weird for people to accept, but it may be, you know, a senior analyst in, you know, the ONI division or the whoever division 
like it's their job, <laughs> but it's not like its own branch. It's not its own, you know, little carve out division type thing. Um, and so would again, you I mean, say that, we've moved on from an OSAP or an ATIP that it is now being taken over by the Navy? Or do you think there's still that opportunity that there is a group? Um, I think it's well, I think it's 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 very similar to what ATIP post 2012 would be where you have and this gets into this weird world of how these type of operations go into and their and their nuance. But it's very similar to um, if, if anybody's ever seen the movie, what is it, Zero Dark Thirty or whatever that, it, you know, the hunting down of bin Laden. OK, you remember there was one senior analyst who like that was her job, find bin Laden. And she was able to coordinate with all these different entities, geospatial, CIA, human assets on the ground. But like she was the one that was supposed to find bin Laden. She was a you know senior CIA analyst working in the CIA, had an office there. You know, there she was in, you know, like Middle East Foreign Affairs Division, whatever. But this was her job was to find bin Laden. This is very similar to that. And so there's not like a, there wasn't like a we're the office of the bin Laden affairs or the, you know, like the, the bin Laden team and this type of stuff. You had one or two or a couple of people who like, all right, this is your job. Your job is to figure this out. And you have the access to all these other little resources and all these other little things to help figure your job out. But in terms of like Blue Book, I think is what people often think of and everything yeah. because it was very structured and everything. This is a different ball game because with Blue Book, um, you know, they did focus on military things, but they were investigating all sightings, you know, before pre-MUFON days, this type of stuff. So there was an encouragement to hear from the public where it appears this would be more structured into kind of this modern format where they are more isolated onto military encounters and focus just on that. They don't really need to hear the public stories per se, not to say they may not be interested. They, they may equally as well. There's certainly sightings and stuff that people see that maybe report that the military may be aware of as well because they picked up on their own sensors. And so they may kind of extrapolate that data, but uh, they don't need to like go interview the witness because they have better things. Um, I, I would say that's the best example, I think, from everything that I know that it could gather is consider that what's going on now is very similar to what if you've never seen the movie, you know, or if you're unfamiliar with it. But just looking at there's a good book. I can't remember the name. It was written by that analyst that, that was able to hunt down bin Laden. It's very similar to that. So you've got somebody who their job title is you know, senior analyst or whatever. Um, and, but they're like, all right, your job is figure this the hell out. And so that's what we're looking at, in my opinion. No, that's fair enough. And that ties in a little bit with what Lou Elizondo talked about when, when they did have that initial, was it $22 million funding that people said that doesn't sound like a lot of money, but his point was, you know, I can go to, and I'm going to really bastardize the whole military structure, I think, here in this example, but he can go to the guys in the office next door who have radar data that doesn't cost him any money and pull that resource. He can go to the guys down the corridor and ask them for, do you have a you know, a list of flights that were in an area at this time. Again, that doesn't cost him any money. So it's just using those other resources. So that, that does make sense, to be honest. So that was a great question again from the Zignal. Thank you very much. Um, we had Mark, who was at Mark with a load of numbers after his name. Um, is there any longer or high resolution version of the videos that were released that you've heard of, seen, or you know of? 
Definitely hadn't seen anything like that, and I, I truly don't know. Um, I don't know if there is any longer versions of the video. Well, we can assume in terms of the 2015 there, well, we can assume in all of them there's a longer version at some point in time because Chad Underwood, the pilot who filmed it, said he filmed longer. Um, yeah. so, and the same thing with the 2015. I mean, that, that's not uh, that's not how it works. You know, I interviewed lots of pilots kind of to both those who were involved and weren't involved, not with the 15 events, but in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't like cut your cameras on and off <laughs> during a flight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even back in policing, like that's not you didn't wait until you were in the shit to cut your camera on. You trained cops yeah. to cut them on beforehand. And so I'm sure there probably is um, some longer videos out there. Um, probably. I mean, that again, this goes into these weird nuanced things where we're in tracking it down. And if you read that uh, Office of Air Force and Special Investigations report that was published in my last Vice article, you'll you'll see the head of the F-18 program management office for, for the Navy technology office. who's like, I'm the one who's in charge of all these videos. But when it comes to these actual tapes, they're controlled at the squadron level and they do their own damn thing with them. And so it's weird because you would assume it would be tighter controls. Um, but, uh, in reality, it, it isn't always as tighter controls. And so where any longer versions of the videos might exist, I don't know. Uh, higher resolution video, higher resolution versions of the videos that have been released. Uh, I would say that's probably absolutely certain. And, and this goes into just understanding how you release information, period, is uh, you're, you're not going you always diminish your actual capability to what you release to the public because. And so that means, you know, blurring in, adding pixels, whatever, extrapolating metadata and not, you don't want your adversaries to know how good you got it. And so, uh, it's unfortunate for us, you know, I, it would be great. They, the real high resolution version may in and of itself be like, here you go, ladies and gentlemen, this is not, (laughs) this is not a quadcopter. Um, but that's where it has nothing to do with hiding the UFO secret. It's hiding what we're capable of doing from potential foreign adversaries. And so I, I would imagine there's probably a higher resolution version of just the videos that have been released that, that are touched down before their release, unfortunately. And so well, it's just better longer than I wish. I would get from a military point of view or whoever was kind of working and just getting these videos out there and whatever aspect that happened before they even touched Lou Elizondo. Sure. They're only going to show you what they want you to see in these clips as well. And that's the frustration that the the clips are great and they're part, they are part of a whole. They aren't the whole, they aren't the whole thing. With the videos, you want to see longer. You want to see the, the tic-tac when it's flying across the ocean move up. You want to see it shoot off at, you know, 12,000 miles an hour, whatever it was, but you're not going to see that. What you're going to see is something that you can you can find fascinating, but equally, you can have someone a la a McQuest who can come in and say, are we really seeing anything that fantastic here? And that's it leaves open that debate, which in itself is uh, no doubt a tactic that's employed in these things. Um, Tim, one more listener's question. It was again, it was from E on Twitter, just a letter E. Uh, Tim's thoughts on the UFO nuke connection as established by Robert Hastings. Is that something you've done any digging or any work in or have any opinions on? 
Say, say that again, I'm sorry. Yeah, so uh, your thoughts on the UFO and nuclear weapons connection that was established by Robert oh, okay. Hastings. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, go. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's interesting because you do uh, – there's a book, a late 80s book, uh, Clear Intent by Barry Greenwood. And gosh, I can't think of his co-author right now, so I apologize. Uh, but it's a it's a really good book. Uh, I think nobody's checked it out. Um, that really covers a lot of the um, the some of these uh, sightings that happened in the 70s over these over the nuclear sites. One of them being uh, a particular case that I, I actually I'm slowly going back and forth looking into, which is the Loring Air Force Base one, which is really remarkable because they describe seeing these things that were very much like the Tic Tac <laughs> and behavior and everything. And so it is interesting because there does appear to be a nuclear component to it. Um, it it's... It, <sighs> I'm always cautious with that, though, because it's kind of like the same thing where you say, you know, there's a water component to it. They're over water and everything. Sometimes it can be confounding variables, which means mm. you only have the known information. So it makes sense. You don't have the unknown information. But there definitely appears to be some type of nuclear connection to this stuff uh, going into the fact that, sure, you have like the Foo Fighters and the Ghost Rockets, but but once we have a nuclear capability and, and post the atomic bomb, things become a little more dramatic. You know, why that is, I don't know. Um, when, with these nuclear connections, I think the most intriguing aspect there is these involve the absolute most sensitive, secure uh, aspects of the, any military's arsenal. And these are nuclear weapons. And so the idea that something is like, screw you and your airspace and your missiles and flying over it, shutting them off or just doing as they please, that really makes you go, what in the hell? Um, I think in the times I've looked at it, the, the interesting side there is, you know, you hear people go, well, that's because the peace-loving aliens want us to warn us about our nuclear war and destroying our planet. And um I'm always like, well, where the hell were they when we exploded 1,800 bombs in the Nevada desert? <laughs> Did they take a day off? Um, so you, you think, well, you know, I do know one segment that would be very interested in the ability to shut off nuclear weapons or penetrate nuclear airspace, and that would be human beings, you know. But if, if Russia or China had this capability – going back to the 70s and 60s, or even today. I'm going to mention this in terms of these coastal things. Um, this is where I, I, I maybe break from, and this is where me and Tyler uh, at the War Zone, you'll hear us have great debates over. It's just from our perspective. You know, He's a technology guy, and I'm more of a foreign policy analyst type guy. And so I look at it and go, yeah, but if Russia or China had the ability to penetrate our nuclear airspace, shut our stuff off and give us the finger we would see a different geopolitical landscape right now. Like we wouldn't, you know, Russia would be like, oh, you're going to sanction us for Ukraine? <laughs> Screw you. Uh, you know, China would say trade war. <laughs> I mean, that's what, you know, yeah. I, it's one of the nice things in moving to Germany. I, I really realized that the United States gets to be the big global bully to an extent and, and exert its its will has has a lot to do with its military power. I mean, here in Germany, there's more U.S., planes than the entire German Air Force, you know, just here stationed. And so you know, they provide the defense for it. And so that allows them to kind of impose their economic will on things and everything. And so we haven't seen 
you know, the Cold War ended, the USSR collapsed. Uh, you would you hadn't seen anything that would suggest that Russia or somebody would have this technology because they'd have a different geopolitical power structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, could they be U.S.? <sighs> I mean, maybe, but it'd be unprecedented. That's what I always say is it's not just in technology, but ability to hide it. So I don't know. There's definitely something intriguing there. And I think it's interesting because you're right. It's been pointed out that um, in these Navy events, these are these are nuclear ships, powered ships, nuclear powered submarines. Could something be interested in that? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's not crazy. The the stars, the sun is really just a giant nuclear bomb exploding. (laughs) I mean, that's what we've determined it is. So I I don't know. I haven't done enough in it to say that. Robert Hastings work is absolutely true or incorrect. I think he's uh, from what I know, I, he's done some really fa- fascinating and, and good work. And so uh, I don't know. It's intriguing. The DOE, the Department of Energy, has always been one of the ones that's always intrigued me. I, I think um, I was just talking about this the other day is that uh, people always ask me, well, if there was this Roswell crash, if there was hidden UFO stuff, where would it be? And it'd be in the Department of Energy. And I, <laughs> people are like, who? Never thought about them because it's always CIA, the Air Force and the DOE. They're just quietly over there doing their own thing. But uh, the Department of Energy is absolutely bar none, the most secretive and classified institution in the United States government, period. You know, they have an entirely separate classification system. They're about 90 percent civilian contractor ran. Um, And up until 1976, they were a civilian organization. Uh, the Atomic Energy Commission controlled all nuclear weapons. And so they were outside the oversight of the U.S. government. And so the, a lot of the conspiracies that you hear about this kind of cabal that's able to circumvent above top secret from the president, I'm always like, that's such BS. But then when you look at the Department of Energy, you go, ah, well, wait a minute. They actually have the framework to have been like that. Uh, yeah. It doesn't mean anything. Um but they are an intriguing and so they they're controlling the nuclear stuff and they're intriguing to me when it comes to that, because as many events as you can think of, of these nuclear uh, or UFOs coming over nuclear sites, uh, I've asked the Department of Energy you know, just recently. And according to them, they've got zero reports for, for, for their entire history. Nope, no UFOs. Don't know what you're talking about. They're the only ones who've called me on a FOIA. It was very interesting. They called me. I filed a FOIA for. Their um, kind of UFO stuff. They called me and were like, "What made you? What made you send this to us? Like, what makes you think that we have anything to do with this?" I'm like, "Well, because there's freaking books written about it, <laughs> like it's like common knowledge." Oh, okay. And they even, all right. Well, let me. So, what you, you know, they wanted me. They tried to amend my request to like, okay, so you want us to search through the Navy reactors? And I'm like, no, no, no. I want you to search through your shit. <laughs> so I don't know. It could all just be at the end of the day. That secrecy really just pertains to the fact they got nuclear bombs. They control all the nuclear weapons and uh, the means to destroy our planet. And so, I don't know. It's intriguing. I I would love to know more there. I've often wondered, um, this is going into the just really, when you brainstorm late at night and you're drinking a glass of whiskey with friends, uh, does the potential exist that when we develop nuclear technology, did we do something? Did we bring something in inadvertently because if you look at what you're doing with nuclear energy uh you know particle physics splitting atoms 
uh, you're playing with the building blocks of, of life and existence. And so, yeah, could a byproduct of that be something? I think that's, even though this isn't what it was asked, but I think that's what intrigues me about places like Skinwalker Ranch, where you, you hear now they're picking up all this ionized radiation and whatnot. Um, what does that have to do with this? So I don't know. I don't know. It, 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 I think it's an unexplored but interesting avenue to all of this. Absolutely. And I think as well, I always look back at different time periods. I think you mentioned this before about how different civilizations or different periods in human history have different, you know, the zeitgeist and the UFOs look a certain way or are depicted a certain way. But at different points in our history, well, these things have always kind of been there. Like, it seems that there's a lot of UFO hieroglyphics on pyramids and, you know, the pyramids themselves potentially being built with some kind of other technology. They line up so incredibly specifically to star systems and was that a way of harnessing a new energy and then you move on to things like the industrial revolution and how things were then seen at that point and then you move on to us discovering nuclear capabilities is that just that these things come into come into play for different reasons at different points in our history and civilizations and you say whatever the reason is for that is something that no one knows yet that's that's a, the, the certainty like you say is that no one knows we we have a very we have a bad habit of it. it's natural to, to people it's called recency bias is there. And that's what I said to Mick West and anybody else is that um, the idea that we can explain everything totally discounts the fact that actually, if you really, truly look into the deepest darks of what we understand, we don't understand anything. You know, the, the universe works by dark matter and dark energy, which might as well be pixie dust because it's we're like, oh, it's there because it has to be there. But we can't measure it. We can't see it. Um, and we have this this always have this idea that our current knowledge is the pinnacle of all knowledge but that's not true and in fact there's no precedent for that in history and if you looked at where we're at even as civilizations as people have lived in cities and everything if you looked at human history as like a calendar so a calendar year you put it in that the times when we've lived in civilizations and been where we are here that would be like december 29th on that whole calendar so all that uh, the rest of the year you know, it wasn't like this. And so we're nowhere near that pinnacle. And, and uh, I've said that uh, real, uh, one of my best friends, MJ Benias, we talk all the time. You know, he's funny because he's really into it. But then when we get into this nitty gritty that it's real, he's kind of like, man, this is freaking me the hell out. If it's real, like it, it, just being able to, to say, oh, it's all folklore kind of gives you a safety net. But I caution people to realize that, you know, what is, quote, paranormal at any point in history is typically just misunderstood. If we went to you know, 2,500 years ago, they tell you that the, the sun rose every day because some god in a chariot carried it in over his shoulder or something. And so um, it's, it's not it doesn't diminish the fact that it's it's incredible that you have this rotational system and the solar system, the sun comes up. But it also doesn't mean there's a sun god rolling it up and so who knows i mean maybe i think some of the theories about kind of the, the multiverse type thing and maybe this is not some visitors coming from another solar system or galaxy but maybe we live in a, a reality that's a lot weirder than we realize i think that if anybody wanted me to sum up like what are your feelings on the whole topic in general and you think they are it would be man we live in a much weirder universe and an existence than we really give credit to. And it's it's weird. <laughs> There's weird stuff that goes on. And 
to the point where the, the people who actually research and study intimately things like reality, man, you want to freak yourself out. Shit, I'd rather be abducted than, than listen to them break down the theories of this idea that, you know, reality is a constructed framework on some matrix. And it's it's but when you hear the argument, you see it, and you go, damn, you don't really have an argument against that. It could be. <laughs> and so yeah. who, who knows? Um, I do truly, truly. I, I'll say this much uh, and I never give my opinion, but I'll give you my opinion cool. if I, or hope. If I had to hope and wish what the Nimitz events are and everything, this doesn't influence how I look at them. Okay, I want to make sure because yep. Keith Clore will be writing an article about what a piece of shit I am and how I'm a <laughs> UFO believer. But, um, I, you know, a part of me really hopes it's alien visitors or it's interdimensional, whatever, because in my idea, if they can do it, so can we. And I want to. I think it'd be yep. really freaking cool to travel the cosmos. I think it'd be really cool to not have to look at planets on a little data to see the dots and everything. And, oh, there's something rotating there, but actually see it up close. I think that would be cool. I would love to, I'd love to believe that maybe we would have that capability in my lifetime, but maybe my kids or something. You know, I think that ultimately is where I'm always willing to not rule it out is because I don't want to rule anything out that maybe stifles human innovation. Because me and Mick Whistle will be sitting next to each other holding hands on our first flight to Alpha Centauri if it was real. You know, it'd be cool. Yeah. Watching old episodes of Star Trek and wondering how <laughs> it's now more like a documentary than it was a TV show when they initially did it. That's how innovation comes. People, people dismiss it. But at the end of the day, that's exactly how all human innovation, technology and science comes. It comes through science fiction and imagination. And so... Again, that's why you'll see me argue with skeptics a lot of times is simply because I, I don't want to see this idea that we stifle uh, innovation. You know, I also don't want to see jealousy where people uh, have a religious fever and stuff. That's there's a there's a good balance between accepting what's real and then also believing in the impossible. So you don't want to go too far in either direction, but. Uh, the moment that we accept we have it all figured out and that something's impossible, we, we might as well just, OK, we'll pack it up here. And, you know, we're never going to get past driving in our Ford cars or you know, flying in a jet or whatever. But uh, yeah, clearly, I'm sure the first people that the first people that built boats would have stood on a coastline and looked out at an ocean and just went, oh, there's nothing out there. That's that expanse is just ever ending. And someone went, you know what, let's go and see. And mm -hmm. that's it. And you just have to go and find out. Sure. That's that. It's in our nature. It's in our nature to go seek things out. And, and, you know, if we can imagine it, it comes from somewhere. Where does that come from? I don't know. You know, and so it's cool. And, and that's always been my thing, too, is I really don't. Does it matter? Does it matter what it is? If in the process of and that's why I try to bring it into the real world and, and stay and make it tangible and palatable for people, anybody to, to really be interested in this topic is because. Does it matter if somebody gets interested in it and is like, man, how could how could a UFO do that? And they end up de developing the framework for a technology that could you know, travel at the speed of light or whatever. Does it really matter if it's aliens or whatever, if we're if we end up achieving that technology? In my opinion, it doesn't. Um, it's just cool. And so if it, if it inspires things, then that's a good thing. And I think that's, you know. 
So, so even if we never figure out what it is, and I've said this as well, maybe what it is is the question. Maybe what it is is more like something <laughs> that tells us to keep pursuing mysteries, to keep – if we believe people can travel the cosmos, then we're going to want to do it. And so maybe once we do that, it'll be something else. They'll be poking through interdimensions or whatever, you know. Long as Absolutely. we believe that it could be real, we could try to achieve it. So it's cool. That's a, a lovely summary. And what I'll do, Tim, just before we wrap up, is just run through some uh, quick fire. I've got a few people, a few events, uh, and mm -hmm. just a, a phrase or two. And I just want either a couple of words, or if you want to elaborate on it, you can. Um, some things you've touched on already. Um, so the first one would be Bob Bigelow. Um, okay, so the fire round. Um, um, rebelliously curious entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that I'd love to know why he um, he says beyond any reasonable doubt that you know, he doesn't give a damn what anybody says. Aliens are here. And so I don't know. I'd love to know that. But uh, I'll give him credit. Like I said, he, he's been willing to invest his time, energy, effort, and money into it. Uh, so rebelliously curious would <laughs> be my fire round answer. Okay. The next one's that on a recent event that uh, I'm sure you've seen at least a little bit about is the Magi UFO uh, incident in Brazil. Yeah, uh, I, I've only just seen a little bit. I think from what I've heard is it was more hoax than real. That's just at least what I've heard. Um, <sighs> is it yeah, still debated? It, it, yeah, it's there, there was something else has happened. Quite, it seems to be honest now around about. 12 to 15 days worth of incidents have now gone on oh, wow. um, with lights in the sky in different parts of Brazil. And again, I point out to Arthur Iglesias on Twitter, who is a, a UK native, but he's a Brazilian native living in Liverpool in the UK, who's done some great mm -hmm. translations on a lot of the civilian um, videos. And there, there is genuine panic in these people's voices. They are definitely seeing something up in the sky. There are different light patterns appearing, similar to some of the things you said you saw on your, your sighting with the three lights blinking on and off. Mm -hmm. So th there seems to be something to it. Where we kind of struggle is there's, there's a real lack of tangible evidence. There, there are videos of kind of smoke coming from the mountains. Um, there's a few fake videos thrown in there of older drone shows and whatnot that are absolutely nothing to do with the incident. If mm -hmm. I had to summarise and I'd done a very quick bonus episode of it, episode I called it 2.5, um, something's happened. What? It's really unclear. And people have seen something. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of military activity happenstance that goes on around a, an industrial military complex. But a lot of people coming up with that that the place does make uh, ammunition and never has the level of activity that it has seen recently. So yeah, it seems that there's maybe something worth digging into, but it could absolutely very quickly lead to nothing. I'd be fascinated by it because that's one of the things that I think gets gets lumped in too much is it. The UFOs become a, either an American or a Western kind of phenomena, and uh, you know, just the other day I was saying, I, in a perfect world, and maybe someday, someday sooner rather than later, I will. Is uh, you know, like I'd like to go to Africa and start asking people, yeah, you see anything weird in the sky? You know, there's like these disconnected regions, either because of language, culture, or whatever, mm -hmm. that we just have zero data out of, and but they also are not corrupted by all the other. You know, I'm not going to go to Zimbabwe and they go, yeah, we saw it. And, you know, that's the Roswell crash because they don't they don't know about that. So yeah. I would love to hear from some of these areas and 
South America is a very intriguing spot to me in general. Another one on yeah. the list in Puffet World, I want to go down there. Um, definite hotbed, hotbed just now. There's some activity going on, but it's definitely worth looking into. Um, my next one would be extraterrestrial. What does that mean to you? Uh, you know, extraterrestrial, uh, in context of the UFO thing, I think uh, I summarize it basically as anything that's not human being. And so you, you kind of heard me say earlier that uh, I'm not totally adverse to this idea, this interdimensional theory that you hear people say, um, in addition to um, alien distant world theory. There, there's... <laughs> And this is the part where it gets deep in the weeds it is you just brought up a great point here is there is some serious uh, scientific and even philosophical questions that even exist there in terms of you know, being able to travel from a different distant star system and, and reality. You know, if you because of time dilation, if you were able to travel all the way to, to another distant, distant galaxy, when you're looking back from that point, because time and space is dependent, you know, what if when you're looking back, like you're technically looking back X number of thousands or millions of years in Earth's future, Earth has wiped itself out and there's no human beings. And so it's like, well, if there's no human beings or you, you've gone the other side and human beings don't exist, do you exist type thing? And so that's why I wonder that would, it seems almost too simplistic to believe it's some some aliens who hop in a ship and you know just happen to travel fast from their planet. And so, uh, extraterrestrial am I would be anything that's not us. <laughs> Where destination unknown. I agree that it's too simplistic to say it's aliens hopping on a spaceship from Mars and coming down. Uh, Something I really wanted to talk about today, but just in doing the research for the show, uh, I found there was so much I could have spoke to you about, uh, and it's definitely something I'd love to come back to on, but uh, Bob Lazar? <laughs> um, I, I do not believe Bob Lazar. I don't. Uh, there, there's a considerable amount of information that has either been made public or I haven't had, just haven't had a time to make public because I'll, I'll tell people um, – I try to really focus on things that I think are tangible, real, and, and could provide realistic results, and I don't see anything there. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I going back to people that was in his purview and in his space in the 1980s up to when he supposedly said and all this stuff, who have told me, yeah, no, he's full of shit. And so I, I, I am totally open and willing to there being the a new evidence presented that, that says I'm wrong and I'll be the first to say I'm wrong. But based on the preponderance of evidence that I'm a, have gathered and I'm aware of, I, I don't believe uh, Bob Lazar's story at all. <laughs> so Absolutely it's a good story. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And the last one that we've touched on um, for you, what is disclosure? <sighs> I think disclosure, you know, and it does it more surround. I think disclosure for me would be just what we talked about earlier. It would be that kind of acknowledgement and supported by supporting evidence uh, showing that there is indeed something uh, that is undefined, unknown. It is not human technology. It is not foreign technology. It's not our technology um, being disclosed to the point where. Uh, my my version of disclosure is when enough information comes out that that somebody like Mick West goes, well, holy shit, 
Okay. That's interesting, guys. Let's, let's, let's try to tackle this problem now instead of debunking it. And so to me, that's, that is disclosure. It, it's not um, – I just simply have never seen any evidence that disclosure is going to be wheeling the bodies out from Roswell or something. I don't – maybe they do have them. That would be interesting. That would be super cool, but I don't, I don't know that that's real. But who knows? Hey. <laughs> but then would it be met still with that shrug? that Matthew Hirsch mentioned. I don't know. That would be, I mean, if the, if the president or somebody on TV wheeled out the bodies and, you know, you got a tour of the, the, the secret underground facilities, if that was true, I don't know that one. I, I would hope if that was met with a shrug, then I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to go ahead and go outside and welcome the apocalypse because. <laughs> you would, give up. Yeah. I mean, that would, I think, very rightly so. And that's why I try to be very serious about this topic is because at, at its heart, what we're talking about could be the most significant. It is the most significant thing next to the development of language in human beings. And, and, and so it should be treated seriously. I mean, why shouldn't it be both scrutiny and, and open mindedness? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I hope that uh, I agree with Dr. Hirsch. I, I really he because he, he gave such great comments and everything and and our conversation there was explicitly just kind of focused in on the idea that the government did like encounter some technology and it didn't understand it so they hid it from people um and so you know i in actuality you know to some extent i think if they came out and that was true and they they rolled out the roswell wreckage i think he's right in that a lot of people would be like well, duh, you know, <laughs> we've known that, you know, thanks for telling us. Um, yeah, I don't know. It would be it would. Sadly, I think what you'd see is not enough focus on that in and of itself. You would see mainstream news being like, see, you know, the current presidential administration or the past president. They're all pieces of shit and they've been lying and I want to impeach yeah. or I want to charge them with a crime. Unfortunately, I just based on what we see recently, politics would jump in and everybody would want to blame whatever partisan party they liked or didn't like. And uh, meanwhile, you know, there'd be some people like us who'd be going, well, Wait, can we ask you a little more about those alien things? <laughs> can we talk, yeah. can we talk the, about the that body, for a the, the, yeah. the body beside you, just on, on that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Can we talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah. And so I, I I don't know. Maybe it would be maybe that's what people need to an extent. Maybe that would end some of the partisan BS. Maybe if we got knocked off our high horse a little bit and didn't think that we were all in charge and we collectively had a new mystery that maybe that would change things. Maybe uh, who knows? The famous Ronald Reagan quote to the was it the United <laughs> Nations about a an extraterrestrial threat from outside our world and how it would unite everyone and petty differences. And do you know what? In, in a couple of days' time, there's a a SpaceX launch with two astronauts going on the new rocket up to the space station as well. And it's little things like that that give you a little bit of hope for for things going forward. And you know, it's a, a, a again one small step for man, but you know, we'll see what comes of it this time. We're in a good time. And I'll say that is it whether people realize it or not is with the development and advances in, in artificial intelligence and that being a big push or uh, the Space Force or NASA's pledge to go to Mars. I think we're reentering that time frame we saw back in maybe the 50s and everything where now uh, human exploration 
is being encouraged again uh, in the United States. You have uh, Common Core math, which is being put to the schools. People complain about it and everything, but they don't realize the basis behind that. And that's training kids to be good at computer math. It's uh, math modeling and, and modular arithmetic. And so we're kind of refocusing where we, we can get a glimpse into where future's going and it's going into the unknown and, and these I talk to people who work at uh, you know places like Lockheed or whatever and, and the things that they're examining sound crazy sci-fi but no I think there is more of a push for that so it's a good time for that maybe it's a good time for them to roll out the bodies you know <laughs> because that again I think you do that once people know um and I can say this because you're Scottish, but that was my, my, my good buddy, Nick Cook. Very good, very good friend of mine, uh, author of Hunt for Zero Point, former defense editor of Jans. We talk all the time. You know, he's English. And, and you know, he said, I, I think that at least for Americans, they'd end up developing it. He said, because Americans seem to be like, ah, screw it. Let's build some stuff. He's like, we here in England seem to be like, eh, we're kind of lazy. Let's not do it. I don't know whether that's true or not. I don't want to make that assertion. I, I, love, no, no. I love England. But uh, I think that if I believe that if rolling anything out and saying, hey, there is something super advanced here, uh, I think it would encourage a lot of a lot of people, I think the kids that are in school would even go, this is cool. You, you know, our next generation, the people who are going to figure out how to actually build those. They're probably in high school right now or in middle school. And so I would only see a positive effect if it was, you know, real, if it was made real. Yeah. Could only hope it can inspire that next generation and things that have just been imagination previously just become from science fact, science fiction to science fact, doesn't it? Like. Sure. I, don't we all want to? I mean, I mean, a part of me would think, it, you know, it'd be cool as shit to get a lightsaber and want it to, to sail around the Galactic Federation. And, you know, I'm, I'm fighting the, the Darth Vader. I mean, you know, that that would be cool. But, uh, you know, we we got to we got to crawl before we can walk type thing. But it, it would be very cool. It um, I, I hope uh, th this again goes straight into opinion and esoteric, but uh, you know it's one of these things that I hope that no matter what, at some point we all get the answer. And, and even you know, like the late great Stanton Freeman, I, I truly hope he has all the answers now. And I hope that this one of these things that you know, whether it's in this lifetime or whatever comes next, I hope that we kind of do figure it out. And uh, maybe we figure out that just things are a lot weirder than we. <laughs> Aliens would be so easy, but things are just weird. Life's weird. That's okay, though. <laughs> it, is. it gives it gives people like us content. Uh, Tim, I have to thank you very much for your time. Can I just ask before we go, uh, what's coming next for Tim McMillan? What can the listeners look forward to? Oh, there is some very significant stuff on the horizon. Unfortunately, I can't get into in depth, but there is some... Um, some cool, cool, cool stuff. I'm very, very excited about, um, it, you know, both cool stories coming up, but just cool ventures in general. And so, um, I, because I'm not the only one involved is why I can't say it, but that's, that's why one thing you'll never, if you hear me say it, you know, people are invited to, to come track me down and punch me in the face is I never say like, just trust me or believe me, or I don't say like my insider information. I do have to, 
protect sources because I'm legally bound to that, but I try to substantiate that with evidence. And so when I say if I seem evasive with that question, it's it's 100 percent not because it's not something that it will be out soon publicly. I just can't right now because I'm not the only one in control of it. <laughs> but that's but good to fun. know that there is something coming. Yeah. So and as and when that time comes, it'd be great to have you back on to talk. Sure. Anytime, man. This has been a great chat. I, I, I really enjoy it. I, I think you're doing a great stuff with your program and, and keep it up, man. You know, and I encourage anybody to do exactly like what you're doing, which is, man, just go talk to people, ask questions. And that's how I got started in this, <laughs> you know, <laughs> reaching out to these people. Hey, you talk to me. And I think that's important. I think that would be the biggest thing I would encourage everybody is don't just listen to whatever you see, but also do some stuff on your own. Stay off Twitter some too. God bless them. No offense to anybody, but you know, the real, <laughs> real work gets done out there in the real world. And so, you know, a quote from a, a wrestler from the nineties, Scott Hall, that I love to live my life by that's uh, listen to everyone's opinion, but make your own decisions. And I think that's uh, now more than ever true. Sure. Sure. Especially with this. Because, yeah, absolutely. That's right. As long as it's unknown, nobody can be wrong, but nobody can be right. So just always remember that. (laughs) That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet, and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access the shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO UAPAM. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer. A little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fuck. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little rat. Imagine how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs and there he was. Like, you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz. I jumped back and nearly kissed myself. And I climbed out the window after the elf. And I woke up in my bed and there was something on my head. And everything was weird and everything was red. I called up my boys. They thought this was noise. They thought it was a dream. They thought it was my toys. They thought it was my problems. And I think I should because it doesn't really scare me. If you really want to know who I think they'd be, I think it's you and me and us and we and him and her and that and she and that thing over there and what's that, Jake?
More than one in three people will face cancer in their lifetime. Unfortunately, fear can stop you from getting cancer screening, but it won't stop cancer. Early detection can save your life. Don't wait for symptoms to appear to act. Cancer screening is safe, effective, and accessible for everyone, including free or low-cost screening programs. Go to CancerScreenQuiz.com now and take the American Cancer Society's two-minute cancer screening quiz to find out what screening tests are right for you. Don't wait. Take the quiz. Get screened. Go to CancerScreenQuiz.com now. CancerScreenQuiz.com. You could save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, but when we just come out and say it, it feels like it falls a bit flat. So we're going to use humor. But we don't want to insult your intelligence, so nothing too goofy. And we need to avoid any polarizing topics. Oh, and it has to be about how you can save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. You know what? Maybe humor is a bad idea. Yeah, it's never going to work. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations.